On today's Locked on Jayhawks, what can we learn from this year's Final Four, the teams that are in it, about Kansas and roster construction as we head into another offseason? You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Johnson, you can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be going over what we can maybe learn from the Final Four as it pertains to roster construction, what that could mean for Kansas as we head into the offseason here. But first, this episode of Locked On Jayhawks by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. So I guess first things first, what can we learn? What are maybe some things that um, thematically come together about the teams that are in the final four and about roster construction? We always talk about guard play in March. That's always been a consistent thing that we've discussed as being a key to going deep in March. And I think you see that with these, these teams as well. You look at FAU, they're filled with a bunch of guards kind of around the one big man, but John L Davis is, I mean, that guy might even be a future pro for FAU as, as just kind of a, a sophomore um, guard. Who's really good for them being able to get his own shot, but they have a bunch of really good guards all over the floor for them. that can get their own shot, create their own shot, but it's led by John L Davis. You look at San Diego state, uh, the Lamont Butler kid has is, is really come on here. Tramel has been really good. Matt Bradley is a former transfer from Cal. He can usually be a guy who go get, goes and gets his bucket, although he kind of struggled a little bit in the uh, second weekend of tournament play. But they've got enough guards to go get their own bucket. They're more so about the defense, but at least they do have some of those guys who can get their own bucket, and that's really three guys that can kind of do it for you. And they have a couple other guys who can maybe make a shot for you down low in the post, like the Ladie kid, that are certainly helpful in the half court as well. Then you look at, um, as far as guard play, on the other side of the bracket with Miami, like that is what makes the engine go for them. Yes, Norchot or Omir on the inside is awesome for them, and he really unlocks them being able to play small with the guards, but the, the guards are the star of the show there. Isaiah Wong is, is a guy that you know can get his own bucket whenever he wants. Nigel Pack can heat up and take over and, and win you a game at any moment in the tournament, as we saw him do against Houston. They've got really good guards all over the floor. The Poplar kid is probably going to be a future pro. Um, so that's a team with a bunch of really good guards that can go get their own shot. And then you look at UConn. Like UConn is probably the most balanced roster. They have the really good big men, but they have the good guards as well. And that's what separates things. You know, if you're a team that that is just reliant on the big man, look at Purdue. Things usually don't go well. Look at Kentucky, right? If you have the good big man, that is super helpful in the NCAA tournament, but you have to have the guards to support it as well. And UConn with Jordan Hawkins, he's going to be like a first round pick. He might even end up being like a lottery pick. He's really good on the outside. Uh, Tristan Newton transfer coming in has been really good. They, They just have a lot of like guard wing types on the outside that are really helpful for them that can do a lot of different things or maybe create their own shot. And when you add in Hawkins, who is that guy who can, you know, it's kind of like Ochag Baji was last year, just a really good three-point shooter, locates really well off the ball. He can grade a shot for you in a lot of different scenarios. 
guard play continues to be a theme with teams that make deep runs in the tournament. That's been a kind of universal thing over the course of time, again, shown by these teams. Transfers being a big part is certainly something for all these teams. For FAU, they have four transfers as part of the top nine in their rotation. Um, basically, two or three of their starters, uh, when you look at just starts over the course of the season, are guys who at one point or another transferred into the program. San Diego State has four players in their top nine who transferred into the program. Two of them are starters. UConn has four players in their top nine that transferred into the program, one of which is a starter. And then Miami has three who transferred into the program. All three are starters. So transfers becoming a key part of this added on to having some you know, pillars of the program, so to speak. Miami uh, developed and recruited and found whatever you want to say, like with Isaiah Wong. He was a kind of homegrown talent. Same with the Poplar kid. But they add in Nigel Pack. They add in Orchard O'Meara, uh, the Jordan Miller, who has been awesome for them. Didn't miss a shot in the Elite Eight. He's in uh, year two or three with the program, but he formerly a transfer into the program. Um, with kind of the mix of all this, like with, with UConn, you were able to bring in some good transfers this offseason to supplant what you already had as a base with like Adama Sanogo and Jordan Hawkins with uh, San Diego State, like kind of the same thing. So you look at it, and that's the perfect mix. And I think that has to make you feel good because Dewan Harris and K.J. Adams, maybe Ernest Duday can be those kind of pillar players for you at Kansas. You're trying to surround them. Now, maybe it's a little different for Kansas because none of those guys are the, the guy you think of as being like a superstar scorer that you're going to look for role players around him. But Dewan Harris can be one of the best point guards in the country. So, you know, it's just a, a different way of looking at things. Uh, I think all four Final Four teams have really good center play. Now, it's in different ways. Three of the four have traditional centers. Um, Orchard O'Meara or Norchad O'Meer is the uh, one kind of exception there to the traditional centers for Miami, but all four get really good center play. So with O'Meer, he's averaging 13 points, 10 rebounds per game. He's got, he's pretty good rim protector inside of being six, seven um, over a block per game, pretty good defender down low with San Diego state. Uh, you'll have the Ladie kid come in on the post and be able to score a little bit for you. Mensa is one of the best defensive centers in the entire country for San Diego state. Um, their centers are more for like defensive and rebounding and stuff, but they have good center play. And then with FAU, the golden kid has been really turning heads over the course of the NCAA tournament. And then with UConn, obviously Sonogo and Klingon are unbelievable for them at the, the two center positions. So all of them do have that, which is kind of interesting because of the way you think like in the NBA, the center position being phased out and Certainly spacing has become more prevalent in college ball as well, but still having that good center, especially in college ball, does matter. Now, again, going back to the conversation with like Zach Eady and Oscar Shibwe, if you have a good center and nothing else, you're kind of screwed. But if your good center is surrounded by good guards, I know that's kind of a simple way of saying, oh, you just have a whole good team, right? You do. But like if you can have a go-to option in the half court from your center position, but still guards that can create for you, that's the recipe. Look at Kansas last year. Heck, look at North Carolina, who they played in the title game last year. That's what they had. Heck, Duke had a, a lottery pick or first-round pick with Mark Williams at center. They surrounded him. They made the final four. Uh, Villanova, uh, you were playing Jermaine Samuels as a small ball five, like he gave you good center minutes. So um, that actually is still an important thing to have. And then experience. Experience is of vital importance a uh, thing between all these teams. UConn, their average experience on uh, Ken Palm, which is 
based on the average like age experience of the players who are playing for the team. 2.24 years, that's 115th in the country. San Diego State, 2.95 years, that's 21st in the country. Florida Atlantic, 2.10, 148th in the country. And Miami, 2.90, 27th in the country. All these teams are in the upper third of college basketball in experience. You have to be able to have old players. The beauty of that is you can acquire a lot of that from the transfer portal. But that goes back in line with you also have to develop some players inside your program whether they're role players or key cogs as part of the team, having that experience is so vitally important. And that's what all four of those teams have. Uh, so what does, what does all that mean for KU in terms of roster construction? What should we be looking out for now as they are in the off season and looking for the transfer portal and everything? We'll talk about that in just a second, but first this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't end. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. What is, is this all, KU, in terms of roster construction as you look around the Final Four, and those are the common traits between these different things? I think first things first is don't be afraid to bring in a ton of transfers. And that's obviously right up the alley of what's going to happen here this offseason because KU has now lost five players to transfer. Um, they're going to be adding several transfers this offseason. Uh, they could lose more. I, I don't know. They, I mean, there is a big hole to be filled with a bunch of transfers this season. But I don't think you should be overly concerned with it in the sense of like, oh, they're going to have this new now. Part of it goes to what players can get in the portal. If you get the wrong players, you get downgrades of players, you get worse players, then yeah, that's a problem. But the opportunity is there with the portal that you can upgrade your roster pretty much every offseason if you don't like what you're getting from, say, your bench or from some of your young players in development. And so you look around, FAU with four transfers in their top nine, SDSU with four, UConn with four, Miami with three, and all three of those at Miami are starters. There right there is the proof in the pudding that you know you can win with a lot of transfers on your roster and bringing in a lot of new guys. Um, now, obviously, with Kansas, does that get accentuated because not only are you going to be bringing on a lot of transfers, you have a lot of freshmen, so it's just a lot of new players in general. Does that make things different? I don't know. Maybe. Um, also, when you look at these, like a lot of them are guys who have been in the program after transferring over for multiple years. Now with UConn, I think three of their four transfers in the top nine are guys who transferred in this season. Like with Miami, Norchad O'Meer and Nigel Pack, who are both starters for them, transferred in this season. But there's also guys on both teams that transferred in and have stayed for multiple years. Matt Bradley, uh, Jordan Miller, right, to where there are some of those types of players um, to where... Yeah, like you look at Texas, it was a roster filled with transfers, but transfers who stayed. So you got both the experience, experience at the specific school in the program and the, the transfer part of it all kind of checked off. But I guess don't be afraid that 
just because you're bringing in, you know, maybe two, three, four transfers that it discounts you from being able to win it all because of maybe a lack of continuity or anything like that, because these teams have kind of showed the opposite. And I think that is good for KU knowing that you are going to be doing that this off season. Uh, I think another part of this is KU needs more shooting this off season, unless they're going to be a complete muck it up team, like what San Diego state is all of the final four teams, except San Diego state are like elite, pretty much shooting the ball. UConn has a bunch of flamethrowers on the outside, Miami, that's what they do with their guard play. FAU has a bunch of good guards that can fill it up. San Diego State has a couple of good guards that can fill it up, but they're not a great offense. They're more so just about defense and mucking up the game. And you can get here. We've seen teams like this make the Final Four. South Carolina comes to mind in 2017. Uh, San Diego State, obviously, this year. We've seen teams who they're really good defense, not good offense, and they just get hot enough and they muck games up and they make it to this point. But those are more the outliers. And so as much as this final four is an outlier, like, of course, FAU is an outlier and everything, but FAU isn't really that much of an outlier from some of the statistical profiles. San Diego State is probably more so. Now, Miami is a little bit, too, because of of the defense. It's not even like in the top 100. But I think for the most part, you look at it and you need more shooting each and every year. KU wasn't a great shooting team this past season. They ended up pretty much average in the country, like right around there. And they struggled over the final month of the season. And that was even with Grady Dick being a part of the team to where you have this unbelievable freshman shooter um, who was one of the best shooters in the entire country, right? And without him, you're a below average, maybe you're a bad three-point shooting team, right? And now he could potentially be going pro and off the roster. And if you have a team with Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, Ernest Dude playing a lot of minutes, it's not a lot of shooting there. Your two and three men better be really good shooters. You better have good shooting coming off the bench as well, which you didn't really have this past season. KU needs more shooting to be a competent team, to be an elite team for next season. Otherwise, they might have to lean on mucking it up, which I guess that lineup with Dewan, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, KJ, who's a good defender, Ernest for rim protection inside, could be a very good defensive lineup. But yeah, you could use more shooting. Um, and I think to that same note, like shot creation, sort of the same thing, sort of different. Can you have enough guys that can create their own shot late in a shot clock or in a half-court situation? KU's been a really good transition team the past couple of seasons. I'd imagine that continues on when you have really good athletes. Ernest runs the floor really well for a big man. Dewan's so good at, at seeing everything. But what can you do in the half-court? You think back to the title team, the 21-22 team. Well, Remy Martin could shake and bake someone and score. Ochai could do a bunch of different stuff to, to score basketball, right? He was a pro. Um, Christian could drive in a straight line driver or, or hit a three for you in the half court. D- David McCormick, you could just dump it to him in the, the half court and let him go to work. Same with Mitch Lightfoot even. He had that good little uh, right-handed hook shot. This past year's team, it was a little tougher. You know, at the uh, toward the end of the season, we really saw Kevin McCuller's offensive game, I think, expand. The shooting never really totally came around. But we saw him be more aggressive as a driver. We saw that little spin move he had where that started to add a little bit. Um and Dewan would have the occasional like sweeping right-handed hook. But that was the thing. Like with both of those, with Dewan and Kevin, they were both more occasional things. With KJ, occasionally he could drive at a guy and score, but again, occasionally. With Jalen, it was, you know, he could drive, and that was kind of your main go-to option in the half court. You didn't really have those other go-to options of guys who could shake and bake someone or somebody in the half court who you could throw to on the post and just easily score for you. You need more guys who can create their own shot in the half court. 
Is that a, a post up big that you bring in over the offseason? Is it somebody who's just an elite shooter and spaces the floor for everyone else to create those opportunities? Is it someone who can shake and bake someone on the perimeter and score as a guard position? You need more shot creation because that is consistent with all these teams. They have multiple guys on the floor at all times that can do that, that they can kind of rely on in, in half-court settings and late-game situations, and KU didn't have enough of it this past season. Uh, the last piece of this, probably not smart to put too much stock into this overall tournament, this Final Four, because of how open it was. The fact that this does seem to be more of an outlier Final Four, you have some outlier teams in here, I wouldn't overly stress being like, yeah, that's the way you have to do it. But there are a lot of traits that these teams do, and because this is a newer age of college basketball, it still is important to use this as a data point and take some of these lessons into roster construction. Let's talk about if we think this Final Four is going to be kind of the new norm of how weird it is, or if this is kind of an aberration in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is your perfect time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You gotta try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. And what makes Built Bars so good and puffs for starters, they're high in protein, low in sugar, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. So weird Final Four this year. You had some people say, is this the worst Final Four ever? I don't know that I'd go that far, uh, although I'd have to you know, pull up everything in front of me, but Certainly by weirdness factor, it probably is. Uh, you don't have the legacy coaches in there. You don't have, you know, maybe the star power of like, well, this guy's going to be a top five pick. Uh, all these teams, though, are top 25 in Ken Palm. Florida Atlantic's like 14. Like if you look at it by Ken Palm rankings and seeded them that way, UConn would be a one seed. FAU would be a four seed. Uh, San Diego State would be like a five seed. and Miami would be like a high six seed. So like, is it is it that crazy? Like, yeah, it's a little bit crazy, but... I don't know that this is some like gigantic thing. The weirder part is Miami, typically teams who play like elite offense, but are like terrible defensively. Don't make deep runs in the tournament. Gonzaga made a deep one, but they even have uh, like, they have the best offense in the country. Miami's like number five and Gonzaga has a defense in the seventies. At least Miami's is like in the hundreds, uh, like, right. We, it, Baylor. That was an issue for them. Missouri in 2012. That was an issue for them. Um, but they've kind of overcome that. San Diego State, we talked about them kind of being a, a bit of a outlier with uh, the team that mucks it up, so to speak, and doesn't really have that that great offense. Um, but I, I do think it's funny because all season long in college basketball, everyone talked all year long about how open things were, how there weren't any elite teams, how anybody could win. And then as soon as the tournament happens and an open tournament happens and all these weird upsets and these teams we're not used to seeing go far or making the final four, making the elite eight, end up making those runs. Everybody's like, how could this happen? Oh no, this is awful. Like what, what, what went wrong? What's wrong with this sport? It's like, no, that's what people have been saying all season long. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? You know, it, it's like you told someone, Hey, 
we're going to go to this uh, fast food joint for dinner tonight. And then you show up at the fast food joint and you're like, what the hell, man? Why don't they have, why don't they have uh, prime rib on the menu? Like, well, you knew what you were getting into. We we're going to a fast food restaurant. We we're not going to a steakhouse. That was this season in college basketball. It was not a steakhouse. So I, I do expect some more wacky years, um, at least until the COVID year plays out. I think that adds a lot more than people are, are really talking about in the college game right now. Think about it. It's a full extra class of players that stick around for college basketball every year. It allows for an even bigger gap because now instead of just, you know, 19-year-olds versus 22-year-olds is kind of the ceiling and floor, you have like 19 versus 23-year-olds or 24-year-olds, right? So it opens up the the distance of age that can be a, a difference there. It, it creates a bigger gap there, essentially. It creates a bigger gap for experience among teams. And it means that there's more players, which means there's going to be more good players across college basketball because you have a full extra class that's adding 25% extra, 20% extra or whatever um, across the country that's going to be filtered out, meaning you're going to have more talent spread out across the country and you get weird results just like this. So I think once that COVID class filters out in a couple of years here, things will be a little different than they are now. At the same point in time, too, next year, all four Blue Bloods could be great. I don't know that they will, but they could. Duke's bringing back Tyrese Proctor. They have a really good recruiting class coming in. Um, they might be bringing back Kyle Filipowski with Kentucky. They'll be bringing back uh, at least a couple guys, I would think, and they have like a really good recruiting class coming in, although I don't know how good this high school class is, but they have like really highly ranked players coming in. They'll probably hit the portal. KU, you would just expect to be good, right? And then with North Carolina, they're losing Caleb Love, bringing back R.J. Davis. I think that'll be a better fit for them. They bring back Armando Baycott, good recruiting class. They've already brought in some transfers. So you expect the four Blue Bloods to be better next season. That'll, I don't know, this stuff just tends to run in cycles, I think. Like, uh, think back, you, you had a, a weird Final Four in 2011 where you had Butler and VCU in it. And then all of a sudden you go to 2012 and you have Kansas, Kentucky, uh, Ohio State, and Louisville, right? Like, that's like a very, like, college basketball power-heavy thing uh you and then all of a sudden you have a, a weird one in 2014 right well kentucky although it is still kentucky uh taking on wisconsin and you have yukon as a 17 in the title even though these are big name brands but then 2015 you end up with like undefeated kentucky one seed wisconsin one seed duke and then michigan state is the 14 sometimes we get too bogged down with like this is what just happened everything's going to be like that from now on look over the course of time it's just a data point these things tend to run in trends and in cycles. It'll probably be like more chalk next year. Um, so will there be other years like this year where weird stuff happens? Probably. Will it be the norm every year? No, I highly doubt it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You can catch me later today on Rock, Rock Chalk Sports Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLW and Lawrence. Find us wherever you find any of your podcasts with Locked on Jayhawks or on YouTube. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good weekend. Later.